Welcome back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills podcast here from a bunch of people who used to watch Bills games together in Chicago, Illinois. I'm Lars from just outside Philly. The whole gang is here tonight. We reassembled after the uh, after our, our desire to record a podcast was completely depleted following Sunday night's AFC Championship loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. But the whole gang is here. The president of the Bills Backers of Chicago, Sujit, is joining us tonight. Some of you said I may have been a little bit too loud last week. I would like to apologize to Bills Mafia, especially that one bitch-ass fucking commenter on our iTunes page. But I'm sorry. I thought for a second there you were referring to Mrs. Day when you started in on that. You know I would not disrespect Mrs. Day. Have you lost your mind? I was about to say, yeah, we're going to go ahead and start recording again. Uh, Speaking of Mrs. Day, down there in Austin, Texas, Jam and Jeff Day is with us tonight. Heck of a season. Can't wait to talk about it. Heck of a season, and for and, and we actually had a lot of listeners reach out and say some very friendly things about missing the pod and wanted to hear us post game. I don't think we're going to talk a ton tonight about the Kansas City game. Um, we'll get to that in a second, but uh, we we do have a lot to go through. So hang with us; it's going to be a great episode. The lovely Miss Cassie Hutton is with us tonight. Greetings, greetings. Still recovering from Sunday, but uh, excited to talk about the season. And rounding out the crew up there in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Buffalo Bill Nichols is here tonight as well. What up, what up? So find us on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, however you download podcasts and listen to them. And tell everybody in Bill's Nation how you found us. Gang, there's a lot to be happy for. There's a lot to be frustrated about. We're going to get through it all tonight. Give the people what they want. Let's not waste any more time and get into it. Go Bills. Let's go, Buffalo. Let's go, Buffalo. The Bills make me wanna So we actually got to play 19 games this year. Mm. 19 games for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, usually a, a perfect season is 19 games. A, uh, the best season we could hope for, but it had 20, but that's okay. 19 games, and we won 15 of them. We won 15 games this year. We got to see our team win 15 games. I don't know how far how far back I'd have to go to see how many years it took for this team to amount 15 wins hmm. in the past. Probably two years, I think. I think we went something like that. But um, it was a great season, a fun season. Uh, watching the number two offense in the NFL, or number one in a lot of categories, one of the best passing offenses was – Obviously, a breath of fresh air. We talked about it all season. Watching a team that might have been down but was never out up until last Sunday, maybe notwithstanding, uh, mm-hmm. was great. Uh, and knowing that it was built around a young, promising quarterback feels awesome. But it wasn't all pretty. Interesting. Jeff, we'll start with you tonight. We'll get into all the things about the season and about next year about the state of the franchise that everybody should be happy and excited about and and should wear their Bills gear and their Bills COVID masks proudly in honor of. But for now, who is your Jenny Cremel bummer of the 2020 Buffalo Bills season? I'm, tr- I'm trying to decide what mood I'm in, trying to decide what, what debates or fights I do or do not want to to incite. I don't know, but you definitely look like Jeff Foxworthy or something right now. If sorry, everybody can't see, but there's a plaid shirt, there's like a faded green fisherman hat. 
So, you know, there's, I'll be curious. I'm going first, and so there will be, uh, I think people will have different reasons for picking their Jenny Cream Ale of the season. Um, mine is going to go to, um, mine's going to go to an offensive player that I had really high hopes for. Um, that I thought he would take the leap from year two to year three. I think that's the right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. At the, mm-hmm. and, and you guys, by the way, even this setup, maybe we're thinking of two different players. I don't even know. Um, that's right. But I'm, no. going with, I'm going with Dawson Knox. Oh, um, yeah. No, we're not thinking yeah, of two okay. different players. So I'm going with Dawson Knox. And, you know, he had an okay season. I don't know if I would characterize it as bad. Maybe you would. But certainly he was one of the guys we had earmarked for taking that big leap and for making the tight end position something that was really a strength of the offensive roster. Um, And, you know, instead, yeah, sure, he had a series of injuries, COVID, but he also had the case of the dropsies, which he's had. And regardless of that, I still think he he seems to be a fairly um, weak blocker. Uh, you know, he doesn't seem to offer a ton in the blocking game, running game, or pass protection game. And then from a from a passing standpoint, you know, they've schemed up some plays where he's open. You know, a couple of his touchdowns have been less about athletic ability and more about schematics. But, you know, I, and maybe it's because we're on the heels of watching Travis Kelsey, who's, you know, clearly the most um, – the strongest tight end in the league. But – yeah. You know, he just he's had a disappointing season in the eye test. When we all watch the games, he doesn't seem to strike much fear into the opposition. So, uh, uh and I'm glad you said that because we've talked a lot on this pod about not setting the bar based on where some of the uh, like ludicrous and completely un um unrealistic bars are set. Let's not compare our quarterbacks to Tom Brady. Let's not compare our tight ends to Travis yeah. Kelsey. Yeah. 100% agree. Now, looking at the stats, I, 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 I've I got the 2020 Buffalo Bills statistics up here. Dawson Knox was actually fifth on this team in receiving, mm-hmm. which I think is right where he should have been. Mm-hmm. But have you looked at the stats? Have you seen the season stats recently enough to know how many yards was good enough for fifth on this team? And I'm going to ask – that's a question in two parts, and and anybody can jump in. One, what do you think the person who got the fifth most yards on a team, by the way, that had, counting the playoffs, 4,800 receiving yards this year? Okay. So what should the fifth most receiver have gotten, our number one tight end, and what do you think Dawson Knox got? What do you think he should have? Five hundred over. No, no, five hundred. Yeah, I was going to put the, the over hundred at five hundred. I put it at three. Fi- three fifty. So, so the three fifty is what the fit. What the fifth most receiver should have gotten, or what Dawson Knox should have gotten? What the fifth most receiver should have gotten? Around three fifty. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I said five. Yeah, I said five hundred. Yeah. Okay. So, for some context, John Brown was the fourth leading receiver at four fifty. Uh, he also missed five games. Yeah. He yeah. missed yeah. more than a third of the season. Okay. So he was at four. I mean, it's also these numbers are a little skewed because Stefan Diggs came in at 1,500. I agree that he probably should have been around four or 500 yards at least, maybe 600. I mean, his number one tight end. Um, 
I, and I think that our receiving core is strong enough. As I was hearing some critiques of Dawson Knox, I was thinking, well, how much do we really need a tight end when we've got receivers doing what they do? But then you think, well, John Brown did miss half the season. So, no, we do, we do actually need another dynamic pass catcher. So, relative to a number one tight end, I agree that that four to five, maybe even 600-yard thing seems pretty reasonable. Dawson Knox came in at 288. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Jeff, yes, the the eye pass or the eye test holds up. Yeah, well, he, and he was not no, good enough. Yeah, in no way because I'm I'm so I'm looking back because I remember Jeff uh, at the end of last year. It was during the off season. I had done a little uh, you know film room analysis right of of last of last year, and I remember being very excited about Dawson Knox and talking about him as a as a potential threat and using that word. And be, I mean, and it's just at this point you think of it, it's like Dawson Knox and threat do not even do not even right. go close to one another. So that means a regression. And he's also very inconsistent. And we talked yes. about this. We talked about how you know this dude drops the easy ones that makes these insane plays. And that's that's like not a weapon. Yeah. That's not a guy who yeah. you can just go to that is right. not a. Is not a security blanket for your quarterback. So, so he's Jeff, not a, that's actually yeah. who I was going to take. So I got to do a little. So he's not a possession. Uh, he's not a possession but. receiver. He's not. So he's not dependable. I don't. I, I can't analyze run run game blocking. But Jeff, you said like he's not necessarily great in the run uh, or suspect run blocker. So what is he really providing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I guess um, you know, Bean basically said in his press conference today that. Uh, teams didn't have to account for the tight end position. Yep. And again, I don't know. Yeah. Like with with D- with Diggs on the roster, I, like I don't know. Like how like how many more positions do we have to make them yeah. account for? Yeah. Or, or how much how much should we realistically expect weapons wise? We got a quarterback who can run. We've got Diggs Brown when he's healthy. Gabriel Davis put in a very very handsome little um, rookie season. I, I don't know, but it it does seem at least that. What we were expecting from Dawson Knox and, and what we got, not aligned, 100% agree uh, with, with your assessment. I'll have to come up with something else. Cass, coming to you now. Jenny Cremail, bummer of the 2020 season. Um, I'm going to use someone, and it's probably we, – we, you guys talked about him a little bit, and you talked about him because he missed five games. Um, and I just mm. think John Brown was kind of my bummer. I mean, I, he was a number one this year, so he had to fall last year, so he had to fall into the number two slot. Um, but you're also what, just as good as you are available, and not being available for a good chunk of our games, and then and then coming back. I think he was still probably hobbled. He didn't quite fit. I didn't feel into the offense when he came back. He felt like just kind of this this piece that was floating out there that just didn't feel like it, it re-meshed or re-kind of gelled with the rest of the team. So overall, I think he was just my bummer because I just had really high expectations. I want to point out that I warned you about the lack of chemistry when John Brown would come back. <laughs> well, I, but did, I, think- I did say it in the context of keeping Jake Kumaro, I think, or something <laughs> to that effect. I know that that was wrong now, okay? but No, but I, I think that no, it, but it showed me, up let me, against... let me just say one thing. So we, when, when we lost John Brown, a bunch of the pundits, including like our local guys, were like, gosh, I didn't realize how much we'd miss John Brown. 
You know, I didn't realize how much the we offense said would it. take. We said right. it a lot. But but then he came back, and it's not like we had a big boost, you know. Um, no. We learned how to play without him. Um, yeah, and so I agree with you, Cass. I mean, I, I don't think that um, – I think that he will e- could easily be a casualty of the cap this year. Yep. And, and I think that's also a testament to Cole Beasley's play. I think yes. that Cole Beasley ended up stepping up when we needed him. You know, guy broke played through a broken leg for crying out loud. Um but, you know, Cass, this isn't the first time in John Brown's career he's had these issues being out of the lineup. Um, he's not the youngest guy in the room. So, cash casual, cap casualty I, I heard earlier. I got a list here of other guys we should probably expect to walk out the door. We'll get into that as we, as we talk. But I, I think that's also a solid pick. And, and going back to Dawson Knox real quick, I, I wanted to see. So, at 288 yards, and that's with getting to play three extra games, by the way. Um, that's total, Dawson, not even regular season. That's total. Wow, that's total. That's not. Um, uh, is it total? Wait, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. Well, the receiving I mean, yards was listed at four forty eight hundred. Did the uh, Barkley didn't come in and pick up like an extra eight hundred yards? Did he? And like mop up time and stuff. Anyways, at, at the very least, even if it was regular season. Thirty uh, fourth among tight ends Yikes. in the NFL this year, yeah. and that's the thing is that you know we talked about the oh how many other you know what else do we need to add you know we saw it with Kansas City right like that was truly like you just can't defend everyone fine you take Kelsey away you take Hill away and then that Hardman guy like goes and does something crazy against you you know and so like you needed that with with with, with um um. Beasley being injured, right? You're, they're going to double. And you, you saw who they double teamed. They double teamed Beasley despite the fact that he was hobbled, and they double teamed Diggs, you know? But they didn't mm-hmm. necessarily double team John Brown, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it, it speaks to who's the weakest link and who are they not afraid of. Yeah, and that's what, as Cassie was saying that, I was thinking that, you know, I don't know what was going on against Kansas City, but our guys just weren't open. No. And. Like, John Brown, like, okay, if teams are going to roll coverage to Stephon Diggs and make your second, third, fourth guys beat you, I mean, John Brown's got to do his job. And either Allen wasn't seeing him. Again, I've sort of avoided Bill's media here for the last couple days. I don't know if the All-22s are coming out and Allen was missing wide-open players all over the field. I actually wouldn't be surprised to find that out because it seems so just daunting. It, It felt like watching Tyrod Taylor play quarterback where, like, just there was nowhere to go with the ball. But they did keep highlighting that on the broadcast. Yeah, that I feel like Romo. The guys were just covering Romo, constantly. Romo's a good enough broadcaster, probably the only good broadcaster, right? Where he would, I think, call it call attention to. Oh, Josh had a guy here. Josh had a guy, had a guy there. I think his only reference to that was him, you know, needing to get catch a guy in the flat, you know, like hit that six or seven yard throw, move on to the next. Well, part of it was also. I felt like when they give us kind of the eye level view from Josh Allen, there was just a lot of people kind of running either crossing routes and when the ball needed to kind of get out, they were, that's the point when they were crossing each other or they were running the same routes in the same directions. I didn't feel like there was enough kind of mix up or difference in, in the way they were running. Granted, there was very few options of that video that we saw, but when we did see it, it looked like, okay, why is everyone running in the same direction or why are they all running at each other? Bill, coming to you now, Jenny Cremel Bummer of the 2020 Buffalo Bills season. Ooh. 
you know, part of me wants to go with a guy <laughs> like Levi Wallace because he's just a bummer overall. But but it wasn't like an unexpected bummer necessarily. Right. So the guy I'm going to go with is Tremaine Edmonds. Mm. Mm. <sighs> is he a yep. serviceable linebacker? Yep. Uh, does he have the respect of his, uh, you know, the of the locker room? Um, you know, being the quote, quote unquote quarterback of the defense, does he do a good job in like getting the play calls out and everything? You know, I I, I can't speak to I spent can't speak to that. I don't think those are flaws of of his game. Why he would be that? Why he would be my LVP? But I think his flat out play and his and his. What seems like him not being in the right place an awful lot, and mm-hmm. we'll even—I feel like we keep giving him a pass, and you know, no, mm-hmm. no pun intended, right? But it's his—it's a shoulder injury, it's his, and what whatever it was last year, um, it's there's at, at some point you're going to run up run out of excuses, and listen, I'll—I mean, I will accept if he's. I'm willing to say, like, listen, this is n- this this it's not it's not a weak point of our defense, right? But to me, the jump that I I was hoping that he was going to make just was not there, and it worries me especially with Milano potentially departing. What type of gap that's going to leave in our linebacking core, and what really type of uh, uh, of upgrade we're going to need to have? Because you saw what happened when Milano was out there. You saw what happened when he was when even Trey was playing at a you know at half the speed he was playing at, and even again his 100% speed was not where it needed to be. Out of position, seemed like he was chasing guys. He was seeing their numbers a lot, the back of their numbers, uh, chasing them from behind. So it was just overall disappointing season. Yeah, I agree with you, Bill. And I, he was a Pro Bowler this year, I think. But yeah, that felt I, I, yeah. And and I'm I'm getting tired of like the film the, again the film dorks who all hated Josh Allen, uh, you know, it's kind of like talking down to everybody else, being like you just don't get it, you don't you just don't understand. Like Tremaine Edmonds is very good at his job, and it's kind of like you know what he's a middle linebacker. If he was really good at his job, I'd notice. I've seen Luke Keekley play. I've seen Matt Erlacher play. If this dude was if this dude was really that good, I've seen Patrick Willis play. Like he would jump out. There would be no question. We wouldn't be having this conversation. It, I, we wouldn't have to break down the all twenty-two. Um, I, and I'm I, I, so those are like the the two big ones that I had written down for mine. I don't know where to go next because I, I completely agree. <laughs> and Bill, that, I would like I would just add. You know, I mean, I think you characterized it well. You know because service serviceable i think is is fair right like you're not you're not saying he's bad he's probably you know like it's just it's a little bit and the thing the one word that i would say that comes to mind for me i don't know if you guys feel this way too is there's a certain lack of tenacity yep out Mm -hmm. of tremaine now maybe it's one of the reasons that we also by all accounts he's an he's a great guy great young man like all those things that you mentioned bill there's a certain lack of aggression. He seems he's a little nasty. He's, yeah, he's, he's not, not nasty. nasty. He seems a little yeah. bit soft for that position. Incredible athleticism, and it. And I think you know when you talk, Lord, like you just don't see it flash on film. 
I think it's because like there's just not that like aggressiveness to to kill aggressiveness to, and like and it, and he plays that way and he he plays sort of like a soft middle linebacker who's athletic and rangy and all that but you know he's certainly not not out there making nearly as many impact plays as we would like for the you know first round pick. Yeah, I mean yeah, his take- position like he should be getting interceptions like he, he should be doing a lot more on defense than. Whatever it is he's doing, I mean, I mean, think back to this year, and I know he was, you know, injured. Okay, great. I know he's a lot better when Matt Milano's in. Okay, great. So we saw him injured. We saw him with Matt Milano. We saw him out without Matt Milano. Yeah. Like, what? What were the game-changing right. plays that, like Ma- not, that Tremaine Edmonds like made? Not this year? a not a difference maker. Right. Right. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, I guess we didn't see this team without Tremaine Edmonds. I guess that's that's the the flip side. You mm-hmm. know, the so I'm gonna say. I'm going to play a little bit of cleanup duty since I'm the last one to go. And I'm going to pick our defensive tackles just in general. I mean, my God, it has been stark losing Starla Tule and Jordan Phillips. Like, mm-hmm. it is not the same line. Yeah. And my, by the way, I mean, let's take the rest of the defensive line, too. I mean, Mario Addison. Oh, who's the Jefferson guy? What's it? I don't know. Quentin Jefferson. Yep. Quentin Jefferson. Like, these guys were just, I mean, really arguably not even serviceable. And the closest person that actually flashed was Justin Zimmer. You know, I mean, towards the end of that KC game where you saw him running down the field, you know, against, you know, one of the fastest guys. I think it was actually the Hartman play where he was running after him. Um, But does that make Tremaine Edmonds look worse because he's having to pick up the slack for for those guys um, Mm -hmm. when that previously was solid? I don't know. That's one thing. But I actually I want to I want to mention because it's hard for me. It's weird that so with our offense being so good eh, that we pick so many people on offense. But I do feel compelled to say Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary did well his his rookie year. Um, he did do well his his rookie year. You know, everyone was thrilled about the jump cut that he makes, and we were all expecting that this guy is going to turn into the feature back the next year. But what happens other than another rookie comes up and really takes his place as the mm. featured back, you know? And when he goes down, does Devin Singletary come back, you know, world-changing, burning? And no, you know, like, and I get it, you know, okay, the, the, there's nothing more that's a team game than running the football, but Zach Moss did a better job of it, right? And the thing that bothers me is that, you know, we, we knew that they weren't world beaters with speed, but Singletary doesn't work, doesn't run well in tight space. Zach Moss was actually able to, you know, make something out of nothing in tight space. And if there's not tight space, then, then, then Singletary couldn't do anything. Or, sorry, if there wasn't open space, then he couldn't do anything. And now the the runners that do that, that that need open space, and then they can do something world-beating, you know, your LaShawn McCoys or whatever, like, that's fine, but they have that top end. They have that top end threat. So, yeah, sure, maybe they can't pound it between the numbers, but if you get them in space, they'll beat you and they'll go to the end zone. Devin Singletary can do neither. He can't run yep. in tight spaces and he can't break away and so i don't know man like i I mean bean said two things on offense he talked about running game and he talked about tight ends um and i think that's where we're going to see changes yeah i so i and i hate to shit on your point back to tremaine edmonds real quickly we did actually see him not in a game that was the week two game in miami where uh fitz was throwing the ball wherever he damn Mm -hmm. well pleased mostly over the middle and mostly to a tight end so maybe he is i don't know i don't know just i'm just putting out that we he did actually because I, I was like, that doesn't sound right. He missed the game this year. And, yeah, he, we actually did get torched in that game. 
Um, it was a lot closer than it had to be. But I, I agreed on Devin, Devin Singletary. I mean, like, it, like look, if you're not going to have game-breaking speed, then, like, you need to be picking up three and a half to six yards every time you touch the ball. Like, it, it's got to be, like, clockwork that you're falling forward. And, and to his credit, Zach Moss actually does a pretty good job of that. Seems yeah. like that guy's always picking up positive yards, and we're not seeing that from Devin Singletary. So either this offense is not presently built to give him the kind of room and space to maneuver that he needs, or he's just not that good of a player. And, I mean, I don't – aside from, like, being able to juke guys, and he can juke guys better than just about anybody in the league, but how often is this guy one-on-one against somebody where mm-hmm. he gets an opportunity to do that? It seems but, and, pretty, it's, and it's pretty rare. juke to what end? Juke to what end? So, fine, he misses that guy, but then he's not fast enough to beat the next guy. And I think, you know, this is – Bill can chime in here because, you know, this has been one of Bill's um, – you know, one of one of the things that Bill's harped on all season, which I think is like the how we're utilizing Singletary. And, you know, and I think to that point, you know, Bill's been, Bill's been on the microphone calling for, you know, we should be giving him five to seven passes a game out in the flat, mm. right? And, like, that's how you utilize to take advantage of the best of his skills and, you know – Oftentimes we're lucky to get a couple of those, um, but you know, so some of it comes down to how we're utilizing them too. You know, no disagreements here. Definitely a disappointing season. Um, well, but, and in, you know, he's had some critical drops yeah, too, though. Say, yeah, it, the it, it was interesting, and I was going to tie us into the LV, LVP mm-hmm. of the 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 one screen pass we have to him against the Chiefs. Yeah, big play, huge play, huge drop. Yeah, I, that's a game changer. I, I, I can't recall what. The specific scenario was, but it was to keep the yep. drive going. I believe, right? Yep. It was third and yep. some, third and eight, maybe. He would, he would have picked up at least fifteen to thirty yards on that. And we were down at that point, or they were just coming back. I think it was, it was when it was nine, nine seven. seven. I think we were up okay, nine right. seven. So it was yeah. nine seven. So if we continue to drive there, that was our first sort of like real offensive drive. And yep. he just—I mean, there was no one around him. Maybe yeah, he had one guy to beat ten buddy. yards down, ten yards down the field. Yeah, that's exactly what and. I don't know. We had we had sort of messaged about this, but I don't know what his snap counts were after that. But Yeldon almost completed. completely replaced him. Um, yes. So, uh, Do you what, you know writing on the wall perhaps for him? I don't know. Like I mean, if if he's if he's I mean he's going to be back right. If let's say let's say we did not do anything to address running backs in the off season, and we went in with the same group of guys, how would you guys feel? Shocked. I'd be really excited to see Christian Wade. <laughs> yeah. And, and Antonio, Antonio Williams and Zach Moss. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so, um, so actually, so I, I had written down a bunch of names. Here's the names that I had written down for my LVP. Jermaine Edmonds, Ed Oliver, John Brown, Dawson Knox, Devin Singletary. So... <laughs> I'm fresh out of ideas, except there's so – I have I have since come up with one more. We're not going to harp on it. I do want to move on. It was a great season. It ended on a sour note, but every season does except for one. Um, but one guy kind of embodies everything we've just been talking about, which is like, hey, man, you're not good to this team if you're hurt. And are you really good? Everybody keeps telling me you're good, but I can't tell if you're really good or not. But if you're not good next year, I think that's it. Case closed. Uh, it's Cody Ford. And, uh, you know, yeah, maybe yeah. – Maybe some very, of the stuff we're so. hearing right now about our running backs and our inability to get a guy in space when we hand the ball off to him is due to the interior of our line. I know that Suge, 
I think that Bean didn't directly throw shade on our running backs today, but he sort of talked around it, and he kind of said it's a bigger thing, but you kind of got the vibe that, like, nah, it's because you don't have a good running back. Um, But, you know, there is something to be said about the interior of the line, and, again, we're not going to dwell too much on the Chiefs game, but in addition to having receivers covered all over the place, Josh Allen also had guys in his lap constantly. Mm -hmm constantly and we haven't seen that a lot this year um the few times that we've seen it we were able to kind of break away from it a little bit and i know that cody ford didn't play a lot so it's not his fault and it certainly wasn't his fault against kansas city because he's been out since november but again it's one of the like like tremaine edmonds and like some of these other guys it's like hey man you're gonna be healthy you gotta be good uh tremaine edmonds was a first round pick cody ford was a second round pick so you know time to time to step up a little bit here he's already moved positions so I think that I think he's on the clock. So I told you before we hit record that I had a surprise for you. And every time is it a, is it a Cody Ford signed uh, football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, mine's mine's out back in the wood chipper. Uh, every time Jackie goes to the beer barn and brings a, a sampler pack back from this label, I always think, you know, God damn it. I wish we had a segment on this show named after this Western New York brewery. So today breaking from 12 years of tradition we're gonna we're gonna take a pause before we get to the bat blue mvp and we're gonna talk about the southern tier unsung Ooh. hero of 2020 <laughs> oh, there it is that. Eight, like that billy so the southern tier unsung hero of 2020 Ooh. now i know i just sprung this on you guys so go ahead and think about it i'm gonna go first because i want to give this guy props I've been saying it for the last couple of weeks, and I'm going to say it again now. My unsung hero, my excuse me, my southern tier unsung hero of the 2020 season is none other than Tyler Bass. Mm-hmm. A man oh, yeah, who I knew you were going to do that. Yeah. Twice booted one over the uprights, which was probably good, but the, the senile refs with the cataracts couldn't really tell where the ball was because he hits it too damn hard. We... Talked on our post pod or our post draft pod about like, well, we drafted a kicker. He better be good. Although, you know, whatever. We drafted him late, but I don't know if in the playoffs, I don't know if we want we wanted to come down on the leg of a rookie. Okay, dude did pretty good in the playoffs. Yep. Um, he the the two longest postseason kicks in Arrowhead Stadium mm-hmm. now belong to Tyler Bass having hit a pair of 51-yarders like it's nothing. And I give it to Tyler Bass because kicking is easy to take for granted because the guy doesn't really show up until he sucks. So that's why we don't really think of Tyler Bass because he doesn't. And two, because he's a rookie. This dude is going to be on our roster for like 12 years. And barring any kind of catastrophic injury, that means this team is good from, hmm, like – from 58 yards in, like we're 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 dangerous to put up points, and that's a great feeling. Uh, you know, there are, you can be in quarterback purgatory. That's the one that gets all the attention. A lot of teams spend a lot of time in kicker purgatory, and if Tyler Bass follows his current trajectory, that's a luxury that the Bills um, can live comfortably with for a long, 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 long time. And I don't want to go. I don't want that to get overlooked. It's not that I came up with this segment just so I could talk about Tyler Bass, but since we have this segment, I feel like he's a shoe in for it. So he's mine. Tyler Bass, your 
southern tier unsung hero of the 2020 Bills season. Suge, I can see the wheels turning there in Park Ridge, Illinois. I want to say one thing about Tyler Bass, and that's just I love the fact that he's the Brett Favre of kickers. Right, the guy could fucking launch the kick from like eighty yards out, and then it's like there's this random twenty-three yard kick that it's just like boing. It's like what the fuck? What just happened just now? So I love that about him. I don't care if he misses the twenty-three yard kick. I love the fact that he'll boot the sixty-yarder, and then like I don't know, he's like oh, I got distracted. I don't know what the fuck happened, but. And I know Cassie's not a fan, but you gotta love the flexing. You gotta love the the one eye black. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Right. I mean, like, I love or whatever. Like, the dude's He's got completely unhinged. He's completely unhinged. So I'm going to do one that's – I don't know how unsung he is because I think he's gotten his props over time. But I'm going to say that he's unsung because I didn't expect that much from him uh, at the beginning of the year. And um, that's going to be Gabe Davis. Mm, okay. um, you know, like, as – I didn't expect him to be our number four wide receiver, you know. I didn't expect him to supplant John John Brown, which I, I think he did. I think he was a better receiver than John Brown, you know. Granted, availability wise, but that's a part of it, right? Um, I mean, there's a reason why Jeff hated all of our little squiggly Smurf wide receivers. It's because they'd get injured, right? <laughs> Shout out Marquise um, Goodwin. This, yeah, Marquise Goodwin, whoever. There's so many, um, but. You know, he's the he's a big body wide receiver that Cassie's always hoped that whatever that guy that was really tall and whatever James Hardy was, you know, so James, James Hardy, Hardy right? Exactly. R.I.P. R.I.P. James Hardy. <laughs> so, I mean, I just I, I, I love the guy. You know, we when we see we used to always we talked about this earlier this season. We used to see these receivers like Robert Foster and we're like, oh, wow, they're really flashing. They're really good. They're so good in training. Ray, camp. Ray. And like now we're seeing what the real version of that is. You know, right. and, um, and, and and he panned out. It wasn't just three games. He was constantly there. Now, uh, uh, granted, it was after we stopped betting on him to score a touchdown. Once yeah. we stopped doing that, then he just repeatedly scored touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. Um, so that's mine, Gabe Davis. That was a good one, Suge. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, one. I mean, and I think his his talent level, uh, ability to to make catches that are on the sideline, you know, with toe drag swag uh, and – yeah, his, um, you know, the fact that we can get that production out of a rookie, and when so much of the NFL comes down to how many guys you got playing at a high level on rookie contracts, so you can pay mm. the vets and pay your quarterback, those kind of guys are huge. Yeah, and he did he did operate as our number two receiver for most of the year. Um, I don't think he is a number two receiver. We'll have to see. Um, you know, he's sort of like John Brown, but the opposite. And I don't know if John Brown's a great number two receiver, but as a three or four receiver, as long as Cole Beasley's on this roster, that dude's he's nails, man. He's lights mm-hmm. out. I love it. Um, he's a great threat in the red zone, obviously. Playmaker. Uh, he may, he's a playmaker. He's That's a playmaker. Right. He, he makes, makes plays. plays. He makes plays. And what else can you ask for yeah. from a wide receiver? What else can you ask for from a rook? Jeff, coming to you now. I've Southern mentioned this guy. Yeah, I, I was, I'm glad you had this unsung hero segment because I, th- I think this guy fits perfectly. I've mentioned him a couple times over the course of the year. As we think about bang for the buck, this guy we signed for a one-year deal, $2.2 million, and all that Daryl Williams came in and did mm-hmm. was man the right tackle position mm-hmm. all year long and Huge. you know, is a guy that probably – 99.9% of fans could not pick out on the street if they walked past them, right? 
And no chance. I, I just, in terms of, again, we you look at a guy like, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll contradict that versus Mario Addison, Suge, who you mentioned earlier in the yeah, LVP. Yeah. You know, we're paying that guy $9 bucks a year, right? So, you know, you got as you think about just sort of like the value of these players as well, Daryl Williams came in, and by all accounts, and I think it helped contribute to um, a successful passing game. If we think about last year, the cyst that was right tackle, the revolving door between Cody Ford and Ty Nisecki, that was an issue all year long. And, you know, I don't know if Darrell Williams is the best run blocker or what, but all I know is that we faced a lot of good defensive ends that he was manning, and and you never heard his name very much on the telecast. So I think, you know, good definition of unsung hero, so that's what I'll give mine to. He he chose a, a really bad game to have his – or a really untimely game to have his bat- worst game of the season. I don't think he had a good game against Kansas City. Yeah. And and if if we were going to do yeah. the Labat Blue and Jenny Cremel, he was going to be my Jenny Cremel potentially of that game. So, really? uh, you know, yeah. I it, But as a season, it, as a season. As a, no, yeah, as a season. I just said in the game. I think he he was he, they totally struggled in that game. And we know that Kansas City doesn't have a good defensive line i mean we played some tough defensive lines and some some tough lineups but i was just really disappointed in his play on sunday and to that i mean to that point Cass, and you know we could do a whole segment on this but like the most confusing part of the entire season to me perhaps was um how good the kansas city chiefs defense looked in that game relative to everything that we had been t- if you had, if, if you had just told me with no narrative before that game i would have said this is the number one defense in the league yeah, yeah. um they, they look like yeah. it it was it was it was shocking so yeah I, I i don't disagree with what you say there Cass. i mean it felt like they were beating up on on so many different players on our on our squad there um so yeah but but Shout out to him. I think for the season, the season in whole, I thought he did a real nice job for a player that came in on a pretty low contract for a veteran, a veteran guy. Love it. Uh, Castle, stay with you. Your Southern Tier unsung hero of the 2020 season. Yeah, and this one's probably not for the work that he did on the field, but the work that he does off the field. Um, and I mm. thought it was pretty remarkable that Harrison Phillips was our. Um, NFL, you know, man of the year nomination yeah. from the Buffalo Bills just because of how young he is. He's mm, he's yeah. so young to the league, but he's really does an excellent job of giving back um, and contributing to the Buffalo community. So I think that just has to be acknowledged of, you know, as we talk about unsung heroes of the work that he does um, a- across multiple charities also. Like, that's the thing. Like, he really spreads his wealth, spreads his time, and has multiple interests within the community. Um, and I just think we should acknowledge that. In, in a year of, you know, a lot of trials and tribulations for everybody, um, Harrison Phillips did a good job, and he, he does it quietly, too. Hey, credit yeah, to you for acknowledging call. that, Cass, because I think in particular as well, he does a lot of work with um, kids with special needs, and that is yes. not that is not easy volunteer work either. You know, that's not sort no. of a show up or write a check type work. You know, that is you you sort of have a true calling for for uh, for like um, for you know or uh, you know um, just being a great person when you're dealing when you're doing with causes like that. Does he have is, – is there something in his family? Is, is, does he have something personal at stake there? Because that's kind of always been his thing. He might. I'll tell you what. He's know. a smart, smart guy. Yeah. 
I mean, you listen to him. Yeah. He's he has he's a Stanford. He guy. has some sort of um, uh, affiliation with the NFLPA. He's he's one of the officials or player representatives or something like that with the NFLPA. Maybe he's the Bills NFLPA guy. I'm not sure, but he's he's definitely a smart smart dude. If if you also look at his his girlfriend, I think it's girlfriend fiance. I don't, I don't know yeah. um, uh, where they're at, but. She would definitely, I, I love it because she's not, she seems very humble as well. She does not seem like one of the girls that would have been on the private plane going to Kansas City with all the, you know, the made up, done up bitches. Like, she seems legit, like, get her hands dirty. Like who? Like who? Go ahead, say it. Go, go ahead, say it. We already talked about our group me. Go ahead. Like who? What do you mean? Like, oh, like, yeah, like uh, Kyle, or <laughs> Kyle uh, Josh Allen's girlfriend, Britt, Britt Williams or whatever yeah. her name is. Yeah. Yeah, that no time for that shit. Yeah, so it, it's just it. I just I I like him. I want to kind of hang. I'd love to hang out with Harrison Phillips. I think he'd be a, a good guy, an interesting conversation, smart guy, and uh, you'd, you'd have a little bit of fun. Yeah, I haven't said anything pick. controversial for a very long time on this pod, so um, I'm going to go ahead and say that Josh Allen should throw out all of his condoms himself. Huh? What? <laughs> I said it. I said it. That girl's going to get herself a baby, okay? Oh, oh that's good. Now, so throw I out the, the turkey about... basters. Throw out all that shit, okay? Throw out them thirsty turkey basters. That's how you do it. Harrison Phillips, I'm I, I'm thinking there's got to be a family thing there. I'm sorry, Miss um, Day. And, and I'm I, sorry. And I, I bring it up, Jeff, because the other the other person we know who, who you're a favorite of, but you can't really deny, Marquise Goodwin also always had a soft mm. spot for – Anybody with disability, and I think it's because his little sister has cerebral palsy yeah. or something mm-hmm. like that. So, you know, I, we, we joke on this pod, but Marquise Goodwin also was always very, very generous with his time and would, would always address families and anybody who showed up uh, that had, had somebody with disabilities with them. So, um, I, agreed, man, that like it takes a certain type. And and God bless those people. And Harrison Phillips is one of them. I don't. It's a shame because you always wonder, like, well, if this guy's not the NFL Walter Man of the Year, who possibly could it be? Yeah. You know. So like every time I see a Bills player get nominated, I'm like, no, don't nominate him. It's not his time yet. <laughs> um, but I I I hope I hope that he gets league wide recognition because it has been constant since he joined the Buffalo Bills, and I I I think we have reason to believe that his his commitment to the community will continue long past his career in the NFL because it's obvious that's the kind of guy he is. Do you guys ever feel like the the man of the year is very often some player that's actually pretty good? Do you, do you ever yes. feel like there's, there's, there's like Travis Kelsey? I, I don't know what he's done. He Maybe he's great. Maybe he is absolutely just a star on the field and off the field. But, man, it's really hard to do both. <laughs> um, and... Uh, I don't know. I, I just, you know, it's the whole, it's like Pro Bowl voting to me. Like something makes me a little bit sour on it. That's why I surprised um, Lorenzo didn't get it. Was it last, two years ago? Whenever mm-hmm. he was our number, I was like, that's a shoe in He's at the end of his career. He's have a storied career at the NFL. So I was really surprised when he did not win it. But Lorenzo Alexander, I, that is a guy. Because he's a part of the get- Bills, though. He's part of the Bills. Right, so it's not going to be. We don't want. That to be. But storied career doesn't really begin to tell it. I mean, that guy, he he should be one of those. He's he's like the player's player. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he's probably going to go down in NFL lore amongst the people who know. You know, because that dude came into the league as an offensive guard. 
Mm-hmm. And look where he finished. Yeah. I mean, come on, give that. And he had what a fifteen-year run. I mean, it's absurd. Like we, like I know that everybody in Bills Nation knows about Lorenzo Alexander, but like that's a guy who, if you don't know, you should know. Billy, you think, you think ever Wall of Fame? You think Wall of Fame ever? No, absolutely nope. not. I'm I just, don't think I'm so just, either. I'm just asking. No, I'm just asking. No, okay. no, I'm not saying he's an he's a stellar player. I'm saying like he's one of those guys who would be very well respected amongst other players. You know, like they talk about like the comedian's comedian. It's some guy you've never heard of. Well, Lorenzo mm-hmm. Alexander should be like the player's player because that dude grinded, man, for a long time and was very versatile and to Cass's point or whoever said it like was also like great in the community and was a leader and like the end of his career he only kept getting better it's like you Billy rounding us out it now reminds the, me of, your it reminds me of you Lars it's like you in the improv oh, you in the you. improv community especially you know like you just keep getting I mean, ahead <laughs> of <with> age <laughs> everyone knows how good you were not a lot of people going to improv shows these days. In fact, the IO Theater in Chicago not going to survive COVID. Uh, uh, that that theater is donezo. Whoops. Yikes! Uh, your 2020 Southern Tier unsung hero. So he started to get sung, so to say, at the end of the year, as he should. Uh, I still though would define him as an unsung hero, and that is Taron Johnson. Yeah. Taron Johnson. Mm. You look at him uh, even the beginning of this year, but definitely last year, looking toward this year, you see him as a serviceable nickel corner, right? Uh, You know, definitely a good depth player. Uh, Not someone who's going to cause you you a game, um, but is, uh, so yeah, is, you know, all around pretty good, right? I mean, he came up with not only the game what you know the Ravens touchdown uh which turned that game around and I don't know who who ends up making that play if it's not him mm-hmm. do we win that game if it's not for him it it's hard it's, to say it felt like we probably would have but you just never know and he made the play you look back at that Steelers game in the regular season mm-hmm. when he made the Steelers were fighting us tooth and nail. We didn't really, we weren't really doing much in that game. We were about to go into half down, I don't know, ten nothing, seven nothing, something like that. Taron Johnson pick six. So, yep. I feel like often we're looking for a guy uh, and you know clamoring for someone who's going to step up and make game changing plays. Mm-hmm. There's a guy who made game changing plays. Um, yeah, yep. And I love it. Um, and he's also a guy who made. You know, when when we wanted someone at you know up at the line making some run, uh, some uh, some tough mm-hmm. tackles at the line of scrimmage, he showed up. So he was a guy that showed up, showed out. Thought he had a great season. Not a guy that's gonna you know be a be a blockbuster guy necessarily, but a guy I'm really glad we got on our team, and I'm really glad um, you know was on our team for this 2020 season. So you say that he's only recently been sung. That's true. But I will remind you that after the 2019 draft, we were wondering who the Tehran Milano day two or three gem would be because we saw something from him early. We were yeah, we were on true. the Taron Johnson uh, hype train very early on. He kind of went away for a while there. Yeah. 
But to your point, Billy, dude came back with a vengeance. I think a lot of it was injury related. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I maybe he's around to play nickel for a long, long time. Let's hope so. Um, we also heard today that Dane Jackson is going to get an opportunity to yep. start. Um, and I, you know, McDermott gets praised for referring to the the organization as a program. You know, like you kind of have to work your way up. Like you go through freshman ball, then JV ball, then you get your chance under the. Sometimes I I worry that maybe they bring guys along too slowly because we see guys like Dane Jackson and like Matt Milano, who was making a ton of plays when he was a rookie. But I don't remember who it was would, would was still getting the start over him until like the last quarter of the year. Man, we watched Dean Jackson play, and it's like, why is this guy not? Yeah, why is he not getting more snaps? Yeah, and maybe they know something we don't know, or maybe they just bring guys along a little too slowly. I don't know. I mean, I think you have to practice well, right? You have to practice well, and and I think that that that's the key. I think these guys really value the players that do well in practice. Well, that that brings us now to the to the more obvious part, and I think it's going to be hard to get past. Um, if you're fourth or fifth on the list tonight for this one, it's going to be tough because there's a couple of names right up there um, that are going to be are, are, are going to be the gimmies, let's just say. So if you're first to go here, go ahead and take one. So Cass, we'll start with you. You're the Bat Blue MVP of the 2020 Buffalo Bills season. I will take the easy one. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> if you guys can remember back. Suji and Lars to us recording one of our famous episodes at Bitter Pups. Mm. And I, at that day, at that moment, told you guys, get on board. Josh Allen is legit. He is the real thing. (laughs) And he is going to take us to the promised land. And... Mm -hmm. I remember that. I remember that feeling. I have held that feeling internally, and it's it's coming true. And that's it's just Josh Allen. Like there's there's no argument as to who everybody's number one choice has to be. It has to be Josh Allen. We finally have the quarterback. He showed us the growth within the third season, and he's got the potential. He hasn't hit his ceiling, and it's just going to get better. And God damn it, is it exciting? And I'm like, when is September? I want to see that boy play again. There you yeah, go. you know, it, go ahead. There you go. Oh, sorry. So I, the the thing that gets me about Josh Allen is he, he scares me. He scares me as much as I love him, <laughs> you know, because, you know, you saw the the, the, the potential as a rookie you know, he was. You saw he was a hot mess. Then you saw some potential, and then the next year, well, oh wow, he lost the deep ball though. He can't throw the deep ball anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, but he's throwing the short pass stuff really well. Okay, and then next, the next year's like, wow, actually, he's he's able to you know run an offense and and all that. And so you just wonder, like, after three years, two years, whatever, is there really? how can you make that next jump? Or is he just going to, has he already plateaued, right? But the guy did an S-curve, right? Like, he he rose pretty significantly, then, like, flattened out after that Houston game where he got injured and then came back and started to pick up. And then, like, last year, I thought was good, but it was just a steady rise. And then all of a sudden, Jesus! <laughs> like, where does that happen? Or <laughs> you just like, I know you take the, the, they say, the second to third year. He's like, 
He's making all of the old school predictions about quarterbacks come true. That, oh, you make your biggest jump between second and third year. Where, whereas we've all been used to the, you jump out of the box lately, right? Like your, your Russell Wilsons and all that other stuff. But he, was, he is a testament to the old NFL of development. Um, and it's just, I mean, it's so exciting to see. And like my, my big fear, the reason I'm just like, I'm not ready to give him a heart, even though I'm giving him a heart. I've given my heart, right? It's over. I'm going to get my heart broken if he sucks. But I just well, can't I'd, see the flash in the pan. So I, Billy will, will happily tell you what his area for improvement is. And I, I am going to 100% agree with him because he does have a major area for improvement. And it's, it's the, it is the final piece. Billy, go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's knowing it's, – it's being patient. It is mm-hmm. taking the four- to seven-yard pass – and being not not even comfortable with that, but just understanding that that is what's going to get you your big play, and it's yeah. getting that through. And the question is, does it can it can that it's in his brain because he's done a better job of it. He did it this year, and that's why he started to light people up. It wasn't because he was making these ridiculous throws that he wasn't making last year. It was because he was integrating that into his game. But, so the, but, and I'll tell you what, there are two. Go ahead, Cass. No, I was gonna say, for all the improvements and the steps he's made forward, like that's one I'm like, oh, he should easily. Like I have confidence in him being mm-hmm. able to make that. That like hitting the yes. deep ball. I'm sorry, I was a little nervous that like maybe that was gone. Like maybe that had an issue. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, he. Exactly. There's nothing in him that tells me that he can't actually do this one step to take him to the next level. So it's not a Josh Allen thing, though, Cass. It's a Tom Brady thing. The reason Tom Brady is in the Super Bowl again this year and is dominant is because he is the best and always was the best at doing exactly that. Taking four yards, seven yards, three yards, eight yards, six yards, and just dink, 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 take it, take it, take it. And the reason Tom Brady is so good at it is because it's just not in these guys' nature. And we know it's not in Josh Allen's nature to do that and to have that patience. So it's not a Josh Allen thing. It's just like no, like quarterbacks in general just aren't built that way. And in a weird way, Mahomes is too a little bit. He's also very good at taking the soft stuff when it's there and then just absolutely brutally killing you downfield as soon as he gets a chance, which is what Brady has done. And so, I mean, like, and now we're talking about, like, well, that's, that, that is now the universe that you need to be talking about, Josh Allen. In the, Mahomes, in the Mahomes and Brady universe, it is the missing piece of his game. But if he picks it up, like, that's the universe that he's in. And that's mm-hmm. our quarterback. Yeah. So is it is it that he won't do it? Well, I don't know. I mean, Josh Allen's going to do – all year we've been raving about Josh Allen's coachability and he's p- piecing it together – I, I, and I guess, given that he's been the exception, maybe he'll continue to be the exception. And yes, he'll pick that up because not every quarterback does. And that's what makes the great ones great. That's what makes Tom Brady, Tom Brady. Yeah, and I think there's something to having four sets of eyes, right? You have two sets of eyes on the underneath receiver and you just take it when it's coming so you don't take the 20-yard sack. Like, I mean, Jesus, that was brutal mm-hmm. watching that happen repeatedly during Kansas City. But there's also the one thing Tom Brady did 
is he also didn't miss the streaking receiver down the field. You know, he wouldn't throw underneath when someone was streaking. So it's like funny. You have to be able to see both. And I, I think it just comes with time, you know. Um, I mean, Josh Allen said it himself, and, and I think uh, some of the other guys alluded to the fact that he would change a play because he thought he saw something and then suddenly realized at the end that he shouldn't have changed the play. You know, and so – He's just got to. He's got to learn, right? He's got to learn NFL defenses. He's got to see this stuff in real time. And I mean, uh, Brandon Bean said to, uh, today, uh, you know, it sounds like you know. Once again, Josh Allen ran his own exit interview. He said all the things that he needs to work on, right? And I love that about him, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I have no reason to believe in the entire time that I have known and seen Josh Allen that he will not make another step next year because that's what he does. That's what he's always done. As soon as I see him plateau, then fine, I'll talk about it. But if he plateaus here, okay, yeah. okay, that's fine. I'll take 4,500 yards and, and 45 touchdowns in perpetuity. That's fine. Right. I, that's fine. Let's do it. I, Run for eight, pass for, pass for 37. That's, that's let's cool. Do a quick it, run, it, let's do a quick run around here. We, it's probably going to go around several several times. Something that you love about Josh Allen. I love how he just throws guys open, and he's done that exceptionally mm. well this year. I love that he's clutch. I, I love that you know down but never out with this guy. I mean, Kansas City had a different feel because it was for the first time all year that like it just felt like man moving the ball is just not it's just not happening tonight. And that's why you know if we would have recorded, we probably would have talked about the decision to kick field goals for forty five fucking minutes because that's all everybody wanted to talk about after the game. But that's why I wasn't like that upset about the decisions to take those field goals because like we just weren't moving the ball in that game. Uh, but other than that, I mean, even games like Arizona where, like, we went six possessions without doing shit. It was like, no, okay, we got the ball with a chance to win. I'm pretty sure we're going to get a touchdown here. And we did. And if not for the Hale-Murray, you know, we, everybody knows that that yeah. is. So that's clutch. He's clutch. He's 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 clutch. Like, sorry, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean to trump everybody else, but, like, what else would you want from your quarterback <laughs> yeah. other than, like, in the fourth quarter, I feel very comfortable when the ball is in your hands. I'll I'll just I'll add something specific because it's fun. One of the things that I love watching about Josh is when it's third and long, yeah. I have I yes. have a, this sick degree of confidence that we're going to convert it. <laughs> when the announcers are saying, "Oh, they don't want this third and 18, you're like, actually, yeah, not a I bad feel distance. sometimes I feel more confidence. <laughs> In between the play call, like whatever the play they're going to call, and I love knowing that at third and seventeen to third and twenty-eight, <laughs> they have no choice than to throw the ball, right? Let her rip. And and that they're going to, right? They're not going to just run the ball and pack it in for fourth down to punt. Like they're going to try at third and yeah. seventeen, and it, even the Kansas City game, right? Like they had like the third and some ridiculous and. Romo said, like, my God, I can't even believe they converted that. Like, they started <laughs> off at third and 23. Um, I mean, I think Romo's been a huge, huge, huge fan of Josh Allen every time he's covered him, ever since, I think, the Dallas game. Um, or actually, even before, there was a Philadelphia game or whatever. So, I mean, I, I, but it's but he sees stuff, right? And he sees a lot of talent. That's one of the things I love. But I do love, Jeff, I had to say it. I had to just double up on yeah, what you please. said, that I love the third and 17 to third and 28. I love the fact that I have more confidence in that than I do in, like, third and five or third <laughs> and three because they might yeah. do something dumb like run Singletary, you know? Um, and so, like, it's just that the fact that there's mm-hmm. no when, – when it was more than third and eight with Tyrod – I was like, it's all right. 
Let's let. Where can we punt it to? <laughs> Bill, he reminds me of a chick flick movie. The he's just not that into you. Okay. Right, and as part of that movie, right, like they're just never into you. Tyrod Taylor. I mean, we could go down the list. Uh, E.J. Manuel. Uh, you know, all, all like like every single person. <laughs> Kyle that, Orton. That we tried, right? And the whole thing about he's just not that into you is like, how do you be the exception? Like, how are you the exception of him not being that into you? And Josh Allen is the exception. Love he's it. He's it. He is yeah, it. To that, to that point, like, I love that the players love him. I love that, like, yeah. <clears throat> he's just kind of like the big swinging D in the locker room, and everybody kind of gravitates towards him. And, you know, he has a lot of traits about Big Ben. Big Ben's p- teammates don't like him. And and that is – that that's – and I don't know if Tom Brady's teammates like him, quite honestly. Uh, Buffalo Bills players love Josh Allen, and I love that about him. Wait, was it funny that he got his offensive lineman golf clubs? as his gift like isn't that just hilarious like like what you got him golf clubs like i don't see any one of those dudes like out on the golf course really right but you say that but eric eric wood and kyle williams are both scratch golfers yeah, yeah. but i i just like the, the dude's just kind of there he's just funny he's just you know he's the <laughs> relatable yeah yeah he's a he's a perfect quarterback for buffalo and someone and, and like and we haven't even gotten it what do you love most about josh allen oh the fact that he's super fast super athletic and throw the ball out of the fucking stadium like doesn't even come up anymore i mean the fact that the guy also happens to be a physical freak is like no it's not even like the the top line of the equation anymore it's it's that's it's now that's just the thing that's supplementing all the other things yeah. about him which is exactly what you want out of a guy like that. And we've, we've got a lot to complain about guys but when we don't have to think about a quarterback, you know, barring mm-hmm. injury, right, barring something, for the next 10 years of our lives, I mean, possibly, possibly 15, 15 years yeah. of our lives, that, I mean, it takes our enjoyment as fans to just, even if you have, yeah. even if something happens, you have a 9-7 and seven season, you're like, which is, which sounds crazy right to us which is amazing that it sounds that's nine and seven sounds crazy but even if you have that if you have because he goes down for a few games or whatever right you've got josh allen in there you know that you're going to have a chance and that's awesome yeah so so suge said like i don't know what happened this year jesus well there's another labat blue mvp (laughs) of the 2020 season that also happened this year that's a big reason why Josh Allen made that leap. Now, okay, we just went around. We probably should have saved the best for last. Okay, Josh Allen's great. Stephon uh, Diggs. Yeah, I mean, Obviously. if not for – Stephon Diggs came in, you know, led the NFL in receptions in yards, broke every franchise record that they possibly could be, was first-team All-Pro. Now, granted, Josh Allen's a big part of that because someone's got to feed him the ball, but – we can't really overlook the role that Stefan Diggs played in Josh Allen taking that giant leap. Attitude. I think it's really important. Yeah, exactly. Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead, Jeff. No, I mean, and, and you know, I think, uh, you know, Bill, just something that you've been, again, I'm just giving you a lot of the uh, props for the points that we've made today, but you've been harping on this for years. I think there's a, 
the uh, a certain swagger that you need on both sides of the ball and Stefan Diggs brought that to the offensive side of the ball and he brought it in practice and he brought it in the locker room and he brought the credibility to be on the cover of ESPN magazine and he brought it in all of those ways um and you know, I just wanted to highlight that. Obviously, he's got all of the on-field stuff, and, and Sujit, I'll pass it over to you since it sounds like you had some thoughts on that as well. Uh, you know, uh, Bean literally just said just about everything that you just said during his press conference, right? And that uh, you, he said, quote-unquote, I'll take as many Stefan Diggs on this team as I can get, <laughs> right? And so um, I know I know that that sounds silly uh, in the, in the words of I'll take as many superstars as I can get. But what I really think he meant was that I'll take as many people who – practice harder than anyone else uh, plays, that uh, brings the level of the people around him higher, you know, that isn't even... Remember, we saw we talk about all these things like brought swagger. T.O. brought swagger, right? Mm-hmm. Other players have brought swagger, right? Right, have brought swagger. But it's all about them, Yeah. right? It was yeah. all about them. I haven't seen a single thing about Stefan Diggs being about Stefan Diggs, nope. you know? It's all about... This is my this is my guy Josh Allen like the man the 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 bromance between those two like I mean I love the fact that I was seeing I mean even when the Bills were good right we talked about the bickering Bills and mm-hmm. and all that other stuff but here what I'm seeing is that like I turned to my wife and I said honey I love you for watching this Bills game with me I'm glad that I was could be a part of it with you and the response of the wife was but do you love me the same way that Josh Allen loves <laughs> Stephon Diggs? You Doubtful. know, like, right? It's just like it's just so great to see that, and 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 you know what? Even even if it's fake, right? Even if it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's my quarterback, whatever. The fact that he's taking the time and trying to build a relationship with his quarterback when he is an established kind of star and the quarterback is is now clearly an established star, but but still, like the fact that they're taking the time to do that is just just speaks to the the type of people that they are the type of person that he is um it's just it you know especially concerning the 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 story that was on him as he came out of minnesota yeah so i don't know if we can expect 127 catches and 1500 yards in perpetuity um but you know again all assuming he stays healthy suge bridging it back to your southern tier unsung hero you know, having a guy like Stephon Diggs when you have rookie wide receivers goes a long, long ways. And yeah, and yeah, and yeah. Th- that's the thing. Like, it, it's it's hard to believe, and it's like, am I am I getting PR'd here? Um, is this really how it is? is? Is he is he just trying to make up for his Minnesota reputation? But like every chance anybody gets to speak about Stephon Diggs, they, they go out of their way to frame up his his Minnesota rep is completely false and an entirely 180 from what they have seen from him since he got to Buffalo. I think that we also sometimes forget as fans, or it's easy to forget, that all these NFL players are, are, are young kids going through their 20s. You know, like, we, we forget, like, uh, imagine, like, we forget how much we all grew up between the 23 and 30. You know, like, how much your perspective changes. And so, like, Teresa, you know, it's just... do you know that you married... <laughs> right? Like, or... or yeah, like, yeah. Everyone speaks of Jeff as this gentleman and very, you know... <laughs> hey, I just think, like, Mrs. you know... Hey, listen. 
Yeah. No, I mean, I just think that that's like something that it's it's easy to forget yeah. that not you know these these guys are like they're evolving as human beings as well, right? Like as as addition to just like football players, and so you know, Stefan might be an example of that. So, in a weird kind of like full circle on what you just said, and on another point, and I'm going to bridge it to my Labatt Blue MVP of the season. Jeff, when you were living Wait, didn't in you Mi- just take Stefan Diggs? <laughs> you can't take all of them, I, Lars. I te- no, I teed you up for it. You took him. Wait, what? You just said it then just because okay, I said I his take name? Him. I don't think I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tease somebody else up with this one again. That's so, so messed up. So when you were living in Minnesota you, or in Minneapolis, the Bills played a preseason game against the Vikings. Yes. And and you were like like stalking them by the hotel and whatever and like you said yep. like you, you went and saw the team bus and we we haven't really ever talked about this because i don't know if you texted us or we we talked about it in person how it was but you basically said like you were watching the players get on the bus and like nobody was really looking at each other everybody's on their phones like the team like they, they the bills players could not have been less interested in everybody else there and like uh, the sense I got from you, and maybe you didn't say it, maybe you did say it, was that it was pr- it was a pretty big letdown to see how completely unengaged the players were. Is that your recollection? I mean, you know, what's funny about that is I don't think I ever would have recalled that memory if it, you know, I mean, like, Lars, you have this almanac brain for football references. Um, and, yeah, you it's brought – not limited to football. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you brought me back to that. Yeah, and, and it does – I do have that recollection, you know, whether or not that was specific to the Bills or just sort of like, again, we we want to believe as fans that it's the mighty right. ducks. It's the it's everyone in the locker room loves each other <laughs> and they ducks. and they hang out and they've, you know, they've got each other's back. And, you know, it's again, which is easy to forget that, like, this is their occupation. This is their job. This is their this is how they feed their They're in their 20s. Yeah, I, I don't know, because I literally just got off a three and a half hour like leadership values session today for work. And a lot of it was around like us actually liking each other and like how good teams do the best when they actually like each other. And I think that translates from sports to the work to the, you know, to your yep. family environment, kind of just just everything. So on a side note, Cass. I had a conversation, and, and don't don't participate here because we're going to go to Creepy Town real fast, and I and I don't want you to weigh in because it's going to make you and everybody listening to this podcast extremely uncomfortable. Uh, but I had I, I I brought up to Jackie one of my experiences been that the best teams that I was ever on were the teams that showered together. That like anytime oh we had anytime we had the shared experience of like all being naked and just being like, yep, this is me naked. Like those were by far the best teams I was ever. So again, don't like just take that. Don't I don't want I don't want to hear anything about DePaul high school soccer nothing. But the point I here, do. Are you kidding me? I do. <laughs> Rock Power Report does. The point in bringing up the bus story was: Do you think Jeff Day that if you saw the 2020 Bills lining up to get on the bus? That the vibe would have been similar. Yeah, well, I think, and I think that's where we were going with this, right? Because, because Cassie, yes. I, 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 the the point you made is is totally valid, and I think that's where Lars was trying to take this to where, where like things have changed, and and so I think the short answer is yes, in hopes they would have changed, Lars. Now, whether or not we would have seen that as they get on the bus, who the hell knows? But the point remains, clearly, this team 
um, is close and is tight knit and is family oriented, and and there's no doubt that's true. So I said I mean, the, the was, snowball said fight, the snowball bridge. fight. I said this was a bridge. Who wants to take it? Who wants to take it? Is it a the bridge over blue, troubled water? The, the bat know. blue MVP bridge of the 2020 season. <laughs> Sean McDermott. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Go for it, Coach. So Lars, Lars, you're just gonna pick all of them, huh? There's really only there's only only four. <laughs> I know. I'm joking. From. I I I I've completely agreed with all of yours, so it doesn't matter. And the one more, the the last, the fourth one I have is a stretch, but we'll we'll get to him in a second. Sean McDermott, well, though. Why don't I we mean, just name all four? I, I wasn't. Why don't we just name all four? Just we'll get to, we'll, we'll 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 go around and see if we can. You know guess what I love about Sean? Like, I'll can do I, that. I'll I, do that next. <laughs> let me say something. Let me say something about Sean McDermott because if this guy wasn't a football coach. He should be in marketing because this guy and his expressions, I, I, all I know is humble and hungry, find a way, uh, you know, like this guy. Trust the process. Playoff caliber, trust the championship, process. Championship caliber. Yeah, championship. Brilliant. This guy is, Brilliant. He, he's just, you know, he's got his little sayings and he hammers them home and he repeats them and he believes them and it's just – I just find that so funny because here we are as fans and like we know like each year it's a different thing, right? Like each, each year he's got his little, his different thing. This year it's like humble and hungry and you know it works because the players in all of their press conferences end up weaving that language into their responses. Yep. Like it's sort of funny. You can like find it. You can, you can hear it and you can hear Sean speaking through them. And so, uh, yeah, I love it. Coach of the year should be, you know, it's like yeah. if he doesn't win it, who does? Um, we, 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 you know, what are we going to give it to uh, Stefanski, who went out in the uh, first round of the playoffs? Are we going to give it to Brian Flores, who didn't make the playoffs? What is the criteria for Coach of the Year? I don't know. You know, I, but I, I, yeah, I agree 100. Yeah. And and I wasn't kidding. I think I said it yesterday or today on a group me. Like, I I take my cues not not entirely, but like I take cues for how to live one's life by what I hear Sean McDermott say. Like, like we would all be better humans if if we thought like, well, how would Sean McDermott respond to right. this decision? Or if I was Sean McDermott, what like would this is is this something that would like let I wish him he, down? I wish he and, was and, a little like angel on on my on my shoulder, telling me, all right, Bill, like, or at least you know, providing some guidance along the way. I, but you know, we went through the whiplash <laughs> of Rex Ryan to Sean McDermott. And it was like, you know, the 3 a.m. P90X and all, you know, his pecs have their own Twitter account and all that's and all that's fine and dandy. But like if any of it was phony, he'd be out by now because yeah, yeah. players, players see through that bullshit. And like this Dan Campbell experience in, in Detroit, buckle up, oh. everybody, because this is about yeah. to get fucking wild. If I was a Lions fan, I'd be I'd be cashing in every piece of my gear like that is going to flame out so hard. Yeah. Like so, for Sean McDermott to have that kind of talk, Jeff, with the sayings and everything, but then to know based on his results and based on the fact that he has the locker room so in line, to know, to know that he also has the walk, like pfft, okay, please, please coach the Bills for the rest of my lifetime. I, I I completely agree with you. Let me just say one thing though: when you were talking about him being like the little angel on your shoulder, it's great to have him as your football coach. It's great to have him as the football coach of the team that you're a fan of. Forget even playing for and all those other things. And he's like the lead of your organization. But if he was your fucking dad, 
Wouldn't that be the most annoying thing in the fucking world? (laughs) You'd have so many complexes. Right? You would just be like, oh, God damn it, Dad. I smoked a cigarette. I'm sorry. Like, Jesus. Do you – it's just you could could never do right, right? Like, you could just never just be a fucking kid. He's like, oh, well, you know, iron sharpens iron. I'm like, I don't want to sharpen iron. I'm seven. (laughs) I don't know, man. I feel like if you were were Sean McDermott's kid and got caught, like, just, you know, yeah, blowing a nail out the the back window, I feel like – no, I think the result would be, like, you and your dad, Sean McDermott, would have, like, a six-hour talk until sunrise and, like, the next morning – you just be apologizing profusely and like we'll have already enlisted right. in the army. Or or you'd be like, God damn it, Dad, I don't want to talk until six o'clock in the morning again, please. I swear to God I won't do it again. I'm sorry. Please don't make me talk until six o'clock in the morning. These guys right, um, but I do these guys, that blue, hundred percent. These guys have their job is so hard. I can't I mean the the lifestyle of a head coach of the NFL. I mean, that takes a special kind. It takes a special family to deal with that, too. I mean, my God. Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. And, and McDermott's got kids, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we never hear about da- his kids. Yeah, young kids. No, on the draft, he, they saw him on the draft, right? Yes. Yeah, they're under 10, I think. Yeah, that's, yeah, they're younger. Cass, you were trying to jump yeah, in. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, it's, it's interesting because you guys are talking about his shtick, like his – approach i feel like college coaches do that a lot right they but theirs is like they've got kids it's like four years it's a program they're in and out so i think what's remarkable is how he's been able to like successfully kind of bridge the gap between kind of a college stick to like professional and like make it successful with grown men and grown adults it's just it's amazing. It should be. It should be a study. Like somebody needs to be in there, like writing a book for him. Or I can't wait till he writes his book on coaching and leadership. Yeah, so it'll well, be a bestseller. Well, in this, and in, in this, yeah, I, I agree. This may tie into your your fourth MVP, Lars. But you know his ability to pull things out of the. Um, you know, find characteristics within his players and be able to pull pull them out mm-hmm. and weave them together is what makes him a good leader. And his ability to find these players and, you know, working in lockstep with Mr. Brandon Bean is something that, you know, a, a, GM, a GM could certainly go off and find the best quote-unquote player the most talented player but he Doug Whaley right which by the way fuck Matthew Mm -hmm. Fairburn or whichever one of those guys is like trying to work with Doug Whaley all the time and taking everything that he says is the bible like give me a break man whoever whichever guy is running the or not the Atlantic he went off and started his athletic athletic. oh yeah he went off and started his new like fourth and long blog or whatever it is. Do you know what I'm talking about? Joe or somebody? I know exactly who you're talking about. Whatever. And he did a whole expose on the draft and behind the scenes on Patrick Mahomes and how that was Pagula's guy. He's and, hitch- yeah. yeah, so he's hitching his wagon to to uh, to Whaley and to a couple of these those the the old uh, the old regime. Which, by the way, is is Whaley and he's not a no, GM anymore? Is he working anyway? Oh, but God, no. you know, so anyway, but being but being. Well, hold on. On Doug Whaley, one second. Doug Whaley did actually – was pretty good at finding talented players. Doug Whaley was pretty bad at building a team. And a a GM is – but this is – and this is the last time I'm ever going to say this on this podcast. This is your reminder 
that Doug Whaley emailed hardcore pornography to everybody in the Steelers organization, from admins to strength and condition coaches, everybody. He replied all to an email and sent everybody hardcore pornography. Okay. I mean, but who hasn't done that? Me. Me. <laughs> Literally anybody, any competent human sitting in front of a computer has never done that. I don't know if we've talked about that in this podcast. <sighs> that is a true story. No, Cass, is this news to you, Cass? Yeah, I'm like dumbfounded. Yeah. Because oh, no, I remember that story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Where yeah. was I? Under a bush? So like I, I don't know. Were you on the video? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Did you see the video? <laughs> anyway, anyways, Bill, go on. Yeah, I just I, I, if we don't talk about that Doug Whaley anecdote, I mean, it must be known. He seems like a great guy. He also seems like kind of a dipshit. And yeah. so like the fact that he did that and was great at finding players but couldn't build a team and manage a cap, not a great GM. Put that guy's head of your scouting department or just as a scout. Maybe he shouldn't be ahead of anything. But love Doug Whaley. I don't want him running my team. I'm very happy that we have a point Dexter in Brandon Bean, who's a good foot and a half shorter than what I thought he was. And at first, I was a little leery of that. I was like, oh, I thought he was a tall guy. And I'm like, no, I'm actually glad that we've got some short little Napoleon running our team uh, because he's damn good at it. Whatever point you're making, please continue. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was making a point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, Bean, his ability to work lockstep in Mc, uh, with McDermott and whatever they've got going is just keep it going because, you know, Bean's ability to find players and to um, – you know, to to know that they're going to be McDermott guys or uh, to bring them in um, and for McDermott to be able to understand, you know what, this isn't this isn't the guy that I would have gotten because maybe there's some hesitation. He's able to see what Bean saw as the McDermott traits in this guy. Um, so whatever they've got, they've, they've got going on, man, their communication or their just understanding of what's going to work for this culture. Um, keep it going. So breaking I, I news. I want to pick a couple people. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Breaking news. Uh, Leslie Frazier will be back. Okay. Leslie oh, really? Frazier, he didn't want to Le- take on the tire fire that was Houston? I know. I, know. That's, I, I kept hearing <laughs> that. I was like, why the fuck would any coach? Yeah. Like, like Leslie Frazier's got the assistant head coach title in Buffalo. Why the hell would you go to the Texans, which for the last two weeks has been pretty much consistently reported on? Being a complete disaster. So Leslie Frazier back, Brandon Bean back, uh, Brian Dable back. The whole crew is whole back. Whole crew is back, yeah. And Get the band back know, together, baby. And that's Bean's scouting department. It's his pro player personnel department, so far at least. I don't know if anybody else is out there needing a GM, but nobody, nobody's getting nobody's been picked off from Buffalo. Shocking. Yeah. So I want to say a couple is it things. Though, in terms is it of- though? I'm on record saying that Dable thing wouldn't be shocking. The fact that we didn't lose any player personnel or anybody yeah. in between, because we've got some guys who are some yeah. pre- and like Dan Morgan, for example. Dan like, Morgan, Joe uh, Sheen. Yeah, like a lot of those guys, like I was, I, I kind of read about them, like, I don't know how long. They- you get the whole band coming back. The entire band is coming back for 2021. <laughs> maybe it's because yeah. they're, maybe are, it's because they're looking GM, at. Uh, are there new GMs? <laughs> Are there new GMs that have that have come up? Or no. no, I think that's it. I think. I've, I think. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, as as there a recently hired GM that's trying to build a staff? I don't think anybody who's who's a, a not a GM in Buffalo is going to take a lateral move somewhere else. Oh no, no, no. What I'm saying, 
Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe. But they shout, get upgraded. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. A little louder. Quieter? Shout. No, listen, I'm looking at my fucking waveform. I've been looking at this the entire fucking time, and it's not right, that So loud. that's actually that's actually Anyways. a great transition. The the fourth MVP, anybody? No, anybody? damn it, Bean. Lars let us pick one. No, it wasn't Brandon Bean. Oh. Trey White. Okay. Fuck you. White. Yes, okay. it was Trey White. Okay, I get to fucking pick it. I don't care. God damn. So, so Trey White, just, here's, here's what I want to say about Trey White. We never talk about Trey White. We never Can talk I about talk him. about fucking Trey White, my point, my pick, if please? You must. Okay, this motherfucker right here. Oh, my God. Jeff, I'm not scared of him no more, okay? I was so scared earlier because I was going to be 15 minutes late to this pod, and I was like, Jeff, call Lars. I'm not telling him myself. But today, he picked all the goddamn Labatt Blues. We've been waiting all season to talk about the best part of this season, and Lars just picked all fucking four parts of the goddamn thing. Okay, so the reason why I'm picking Trey White is not just how fucking amazing he is. But it's about how amazing he's going to be because he's with us long term now. He signed up. He even took like a, a, a modest, a modest contract for, for a player of his caliber. He took a modest contract and he was happy about it, even after someone after him took a bigger contract. And he's just he, from the goalie academy to everything, to his interviews, to his passion, to his purity when he is interviewed. Like it's just. I mean, God, we talk about Josh Allen being pure Buffalo. I mean, he's pure Bills Mafia, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. he is just the spirit of this Bills team and um, throwing like snowballs. Steve, Stevie and Johnson, if Stevie Johnson had credibility. Right. <laughs> exactly. You see Stevie Johnson just keep trying to creep into Bills Mafia. Like, bitch, down. please, it's over. Um, but anyway, so I'm picking Trey White just for always being the best. The best on that defense. There's never been a player on our defense, arguably, that's better at his position, uh, you know, in the modern era, in the modern era Bills. Um, you know, because you could pick whatever, Lorenzo, you could pick all these people. But I don't know that anyone's been better, like, f- across the league at his position than Trey White's been a cornerback. Um yeah. So, uh, yeah, and there's not much else to say. I mean, the dude's great. That's why we never talk about him because we never see him. Um, I think we made the point a couple weeks ago. Like, just once I want to see the guy with the ball in his hands because anytime he does, he looks like he's the fastest player on the field by a magnitude of, like, 3x. Um, but, yeah, he's he is – his energy, his, mm-hmm. his attitude, everything about him is just fucking great. I mean, he's like a twitchy cornerback who's not, like, an absolute maniac – but he is kind of a maniac, but like a good kind of a maniac and a silly kind of maniac. Like every, I, I love it. I love everything about him. Yeah, he's so, yeah. looking at looking ahead real quick. So I, uh, we've been going for a while here. Uh, we'll probably blow right through wild card and just put a pin in it for the year because it's been such a great year. But looking ahead now to 2021, as we mentioned, the band is coming back, baby. Um, I don't know how much we should expect in the ways of um, big moves this year, but I'm going to read off a list of names and I'm going to say up top that my suspicion is that two maybe three of these guys will be back this is not an exhaustive list of our free agents but these are some pretty big names and I'm guessing that two 
maybe three of them will be back. Those names are Yeldon, Andre Roberts, Isaiah McKenzie, Tyler Croft, John Feliciano, Trent Murphy, Matt Milano, Levi Walls, and Dean Marlowe. As I was looking at our free agents list, the only one that I had in my head as a lock was Bojo. I didn't, I didn't name him here because I'm certain he'll be back. But of these guys, Yeldon, Roberts, McKenzie, Croft, Feliciano, Trent Murphy, Matt Milano, Levi Wallace, Dean Marlowe, my assumption is that two, maybe three of those guys will be back. So which two, Jeff? Oh, of that group. Do you think, do you think the there'll be more? That- no, I think that you're probably right. I think that, that you're probably yeah, right. I, I, I think you're right, too. And, 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 who know, and this is really where you start, like, the cost of the player really starts to play a, a critical role here. Um, and All I don't, these players are relatively costly. Um, I think that <laughs> – I think McKenzie has a decent chance of being back. Um, Sujit's saying no. No, and I'll, t- I'll tell you why, though. But okay. but Jeff, I, tell me. I think, wait, hold on, because I think when you say costly, I think also these guys control a little bit of their own destiny. Because if they want to drive the yeah. price up, that's in their hands. If they want to get in line, stay with the team, make it work within, within whatever we might need to be done, I think some of them have potential to stay, but it's, it's, it's in their you. own hands. Little Miss, little Miss Business School. Yeah. Little Miss Business School coming in with, with cost-value comparisons. And actually, you said that. The first name that popped in my head was Trent, Trent Murphy. Trent Murphy has 100% maxed out his value. He has gotten – like, he he's not going to get a contract anywhere near what he got from Buffalo. From Buffalo or from anybody else. And he probably knows that, Cass. Great point. Do you think he's yeah, I mean, If play? Trent Murphy's on the fucking roster – if Trent Murphy is on the roster, I'm fucking beating somebody he's up. He's retired. So, like – yeah, yeah, I, I think hope he's, he's retiring, retiring too. He's going to go hunt. So, so the two oh. people that I think I'm not sure that they're 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 well, going to both time out. Time out. Uh, 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 do you think Trent Murphy's retiring? Trent Murphy just made an ass ton of money. Yeah, uh, he's never going to make that kind of money again. So either he's either retiring or he's going to be he's already come to terms with the reality where he's going to be making a quarter. Of the money that he made over the last two years for the rest of his career, tops. Hey, his expenses are really low. He <clears throat> he kills what he eats. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! That was good. So the two people that I think that should be resigned, that I would like to resign, I don't know if we can afford them both. I actually, I'm a firm believer that J- John Feliciano completely changed the entire performance of our offensive line, and I think that Matt Milano, you know, like has. Is, is really a, a, a game changer in our defense. Um, I don't know that we're going to be able to afford Matt Milano because I think Matt Milano's got enough buzz about him that he's going to be, and I don't think he should. Like, I don't think he should take a pay cut. I think he should get, go get your money, boy. You know, like you did well from the time you were a kid here. Like, go go get your money. But John it's Feliciano so is one that, that I feel strongly about. It, it's so funny that Milano didn't come up in either Southern Tier or the Bat Blue. It's almost like we've taken it, either taken him for granted or taken his departure for granted at this point. We're not even talking about him, even though yeah. it's obvious that the defense was in a, in a, on a completely separate plane when yep. he came back. Yeah, I just think he's going to be he's going to be like um, some of the other middle linebackers, whether it's Kiko Alonso or whatever. That mm-hmm. like that 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 
sure seemed like a great potential player and he's going to have this great storied career. And then, you know, he went somewhere else and either he's going to be like burgeon and be amazing or it's going to be like, oh, wow, he was a product of the system that he was in. You know, so I'll so, give you I'll give you a name that, that comes to mind when you say that, and you tell me if any of you raise your hand if you remember this player, Zach Brown. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Linebacker. Yep. No, I, I do, yeah. but I, but your point is taken. Like he had a pretty good career in Tennessee, had a great year, kind of a great year in Buffalo. We signed him to a one-year deal, got paid, and then just never really. So is Matt Milano in Zach Brown territory? Maybe. Kiko Alonso kind of seems a bit hyperbolic given the just the immeasurable level of meat stick that Kiko was. So I don't I don't know if Matt Milano right. I don't know if we should degrade him by making such a comparison. Um, Who's the lunatic that we drafted that was a middle linebacker? He went to a team that plays in red uniforms. I don't know if he went to like Arizona or um, oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's all I got. Yeah, that, is, uh, you describing that is me describing every TV show or actor. It's like, you remember that guy? <laughs> he was in the one oh, God, middle linebacker with that girl. And they went oh, to that fuck. Place. I'm not going to get it. It's all right. Larzy, so... so it had, the name had alliteration, Larzy, too. You're, I'm going to go look... Whole, your whole breakdown of uh, free agents, can you, get, can you give them again? I've got a I've got a list here. And I felt Yeldon, like it more, it's more exhausting. Okay, so, so yeah. here, Billy, Billy, you just give me an in out. Maybe I'll go yeah. right through them all. Ready? Yeldon out. Andre Roberts. Uh, Regrettably dang. in. I say yeah. out. Okay, I say fine. he's out. Okay. I hope uh, so. Okay. Isaiah McKenzie. Out. I, I say maybe, but yeah. I'm leaning out. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a toss-up with him and Andre Roberts. I both got. I'm halfway. Okay. Tyler out. Croft. Out. John Feliciano. Out. In. In. I'm. I'm. A, I'm a solid maybe on him. It's got to be for the right price. He's the kind of guy who will get. He will get more money than he's worth to the Bills or anybody else for that matter. Trent out. Murphy. Matt Milano out. Levi Wallace. Uh, I think he probably restructures and is in. Dean Marlowe. Yeah, McDermott. McDermott loves his cornerbacks. He loves his cornerbacks. He'll continue to love them and develop them. Reggie Ragland was his name. Uh, (laughs) Oh, Reggie Ragland. So. yeah. Right, a guy that's, who that's played true. well, yes, he did a linebacker who went to the Chiefs, a team in red uniforms. Right, he was, but no, the thing is that he like kind of developed here. He had flashes. He looked no, good. No, he didn't. No, no, he didn't. He, he looked okay. He tore his ACL in training camp. He <laughs> never saw the field for the Bills. <laughs> he had but he zero, never, flashes. zero flashes. Wait, he played for the Bills no, for a little bit. Tore his ACL. No, he was our first round. Tore his ACL in training camp and was and was traded the next year and doesn't play for the Chiefs anymore. He plays for the Lions. Yeah. R- Reggie Ragland never played for the Bills. Nope. Yeah, he did. Nope. Holy shit! He never took a snap as a Buffalo Bill. Wow. He was drafted in 2016, missed the entire season. We traded him to Kansas City when McDermott got here. Wow. Was he really good in preseason? He was really good in college. Yes, he was a stud at Alabama. Oh, that's so embarrassing. Okay, so okay. we also have Darrow. This is this is why I put zero stock in the draft. Reggie Ragland is a great example of why 
And we talked about it this year. We're like, well, I get my grades. So this little hot. And every team drafts nine guys, and six of them are Reggie Raglins. Yeah. Wait a minute. I may even think of Nigel Bradham. No, you were thinking of Reggie Ragland. You nailed it. Yes. Okay. Yes, there was a lot of hype around Reggie Ragland when, when we drafted him, and then he, he tore his ACL in training camp. So Daryl Williams. Was Bill. Sting. Okay. Josh Norman. He's definitely going. I think that's a maybe. I think he. I think he's on the Dean Marlowe plane. I think that these old defensive backs, you can't have too many of them. If at the right price, I think. I think. He but they got to mop up. Them. They got to take a bunch of these low salaries and bring it up to get a new salary. Josh and Norman I want to say one. A year. A, okay, yeah. so that's ridiculous. There's no way in hell that's right. happening again, right? So here's what Levi I think Walls we're going to get, guys, 000. when we. There's, yeah, the, Josh yeah, Allen makes point. less than a Josh million a year. Value. Yeah, but here's here's what I think we're going to need to get. I think we're going to get something of the equivalent of like I, I only know it because being here in Chicago, Tariq Cohen. I think we need an ultra fast, quick scat back, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. not, but it's not Agreed. like falling over gets hit and is like you know your Marquise Goodwins of the world, right? Your Ray Ray McLeods of the world. And so yeah. I think that's what we need. I think we need a true speed back that's not going to move the pile but is really shifty in space and can do – I mean, do you guys see when Tariq Hill caught the ball and there was three bills around him? Mm-hmm. He kept just jumping. Around. I know I know, we're not comparing everybody to the best player in the league, but what I'm saying is like something to that effect. Like when I've seen the Bears play here, you know, this guy gets the ball and – you know, if it's just one on one, he's just quicker than everyone else around him, and he'll get. Yes. Maybe he doesn't break it forever, but he gets three extra yards just as he's going to the sidelines. You know, yes, one hundred percent. And that's and the role that Isaiah doesn't McK- do that. No, he doesn't. But that's the role he plays. I mean, we talked about yeah. the Suge, yeah, Roscoe yeah. Parrish and Isaiah McKenzie's role. I mean, that's what we need. And and it's it's come up. I, I put it out kind of flip on Sunday night, but then all of a sudden in the last two days, a a Twitter debate raged on Bill's Twitter about taking a first-round running back. But if there's a first-round running back who can carry the ball for you and also be a crazy shifty guy in the slot like this guy from Clemson might be. Now, Suj, I was roasting you a little bit on Twitter because you said McGahee, but if we're talking about shifty running backs who can also be a wide receiver from Clemson, no, 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 no. The comparison there is a little more one-to-one, my man. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But – but, but but then again, but like C.J. Spiller, like C.J. Spiller on this team, on this team, like where C.J. Spiller mm-hmm. doesn't have to be the star, and like, and if C.J. Spiller is on a jet sweep and you have to account for him coming around as opposed to Isaiah McKenzie, give me a break. Like it's that's a forty to sixty percent upgrade right there. I'm very excited that someone actually responded to that. You responded to my post. That was nice. <laughs> yeah, Nobody ever responds to anything. I fucking terrible. say. No, terrible. but he, I, he was saying this guy coming out, he was picked really high. And, you know, the the, it, the issue with McGahee is that he was injured and he was going to be, a, a, a you know, a complete star. Um, I I actually sat there and thought about, wait, which 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 running back am I thinking of? Is it C.J. Spiller or is it Wills McGahee? Is it C.J. Spiller? <laughs> and I didn't know, like I said, I don't know who that player is that he was talking about. I didn't realize he was fucking from Clemson. That would have made it a little bit of an easier comparison. Yeah. But, yeah, anyways. Yeah, Etienne, I'm not good at Twitter, okay? Names. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at Twitter. I mean, we also realize we're picking 30th. Like Exactly. At that point, I, 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 like we better make more moves in free agency 
than truly in the draft. So go, go. Oh, see, so Cass, I went the I went the other way because running backs drop nowadays. Yeah. So it, yes, we should totally. But like, I also don't. I, I don't really care. Like, if we had a, if there's a really good running back out there and their value, there's value on the board. Let's go for it. Like, yeah. A running back, or so the name that I was when this came up a couple of weeks ago when we were discussing it, the name that was alluding me was Tavon Austin, who kind of flamed out because yeah. he was drafted by a team who didn't have all the other pieces. Um, but a, a player like Tavon Austin on this Bills team, who who also by the way can return kicks and punts. And then it's like Isaiah McKenzie where, like, yeah, you have to you have to account for this guy's speed on the edge. So all the jet sweeps that we ran all during the season, which mysteriously disappeared yeah. in the postseason. I mean, like, th- like that's 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 going to obliterate defenses. So I, I'm 100% there. It's like, and I don't know. I haven't looked yet, obviously, if a free agent fits that bill. But by all means, like, give me that player on this offense. And it's it's over, baby. But keep in mind that one of the things we heard today was that the cap might drop from 190 to 175 million, right? Yeah. Are we 15 million dollars under the cap? Like forget about getting new guys. Do we can we even afford the people we have at this point? Look, I've said it about these guys before. I trust that these guys will figure it out. <laughs> I, I I have no, zero I do too, but I about- but it does speak to the fact that hey, it might be draft not splash free agency. Mhm. Well, I mean, again, Bean is gonna. When Bean said the thing he said about like we have, we're our focus is gonna be resigning our guys. He's talking about a list of players like these players, and that if you want to bring all these guys back, the Bills cannot afford that. So he's he's gonna talk about that at this stage in the process as if like that's the priority and that's where they're looking because that's what they're looking to do. But he probably knows, like we all know that, like no these these guys aren't all coming back. That's why I said two, maybe three of them is coming. And back. this salary mm-hmm. cap issue isn't just us. I, I know there's teams out there that have right. more freedom and more space, but like this drop, this is going to impact a lot of people. So I think it's going to impact salaries holistically, and isn't just going to be a problem of the bills. I think it's going to be a, a problem within the league. Absolutely. So people are going to be fighting. You know, there's just a certain amount of available available dollars out there that people are going to be fighting for. Yeah. It also raises the question, if we have people that are under contract for a couple of years that we think are um, overpaid or whatever, could we trade them off for draft picks, then use a couple of those third-round draft picks to get a second-round draft pick? <laughs> you know, like we'll have to wait. We'll have to wait. Right, no, because that's what we do. Players. right? We get a bunch right of low. Hey, hey, we Lars, get a bunch. We, you talked <laughs> yeah. about getting the band and the band staying together and getting back together. Next season, is this band getting back together yes. in person. We have to. Oh. Bills and beers. This podcast. This, bo- this band. This band right here. Yeah, in, yeah. Person, in person, she's saying. In oh, person. Yes. 100%. Yes. And there's, I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone can find an excuse. Actually, whatever. Basically. Yeah, I mean, do, we're, I mean, it's, it, I, I, let me, let me, I've, I've answered this question like five other ways today. We'll see who wins the race, if it's the vaccine or the variants. But at this, at this point, by October, I think a trip to Chicago may be in the Weborg family's future. So, yes, I, I do believe that a recording session at Lincoln Station oh, is so on. I'm talking about going to I also going do think that this is going to be the first. Yeah, to, oh, go, can to I, go to a game. Well, can, yeah. can, I th- can I throw you a Buffalo or, well, or we can raise do that you too. a New Orleans or a Tennessee yes. or a Tampa Bay or Jacksonville <sighs> if we're or all Miami? Going, if we're all getting 
if we're all getting together, I would love to go to Buffalo for the only reason that win or lose, I'm just going to love being in Buffalo around all the you Buffalo fans, you know, as opposed fun to like it's going to be be part of that energy. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. As, that's what I mean. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love New Orleans or whatever, but like it, it would be. It also, <laughs> I don't know. Are we bringing kids? Is that the thing? Is I thought happening? I thought Cassie was talking about Chicago. I, th- I mean, I'm probably going to be in Chicago for a game this year, at least one. Yeah, I mean, me and Cassie will be, too. That's fine. But... <laughs> we don't need to twist Jeff's arm on uh, any of these this plan. <laughs> yeah. So um, I mean, Jeff's, Jeff's building a house. Does he have two nickels to rub together these days? <laughs> I do. I do firmly believe that um, when we all get together, we are going to have our first live Bills and Beers podcast. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. It's going to yeah, there's going to be video. That. I'm going to we're going to set up the video cameras, and we're all gonna, and we're just going to have mm. a live broadcast of the Bills and Beers. That's what's, what's the worst happen. that could happen? Naked the, showers I mean, together. I, I mean, I, I, <laughs> we're and then we're all going to shower naked together, and we're going to crank Suge's microphone up to fifteen. <laughs> No, because I'm going to have the fucking mixing board, so it's going to find perfect sound just perfect the way it used to. <laughs> well, if it sounds perfect, our listeners will be there to hear it, as they That's always right. are. We're forever grateful for that. All the nice notes for getting in touch with us. Obviously, uh, the, the Chiefs game was a letdown. Everybody in the Bills organization has its eyes on the prize, which is beating the Chiefs uh, now for the next 10 years. So perhaps yeah. we will see a, a rivalry blossom from that hopefully it's not like the rivalry we've shared with the patriots and that we actually exchange blows with them from time to time um yeah. but that means there's there's gonna be more losses to the chiefs and maybe there's gonna be wins too uh, yeah. but at the very least this podcast has grand plans it sounds like i guess we're making them right now uh but uh hopefully you'll be able to join us for them so guys what else can we say 2020 15 wins 15 fucking wins we watched this team win 15 games this year Oof. Go Bills, go Bills, yeah. and like, 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 let's let's like pray for health and that we all get to do it again next year. The COVID isn't isn't looming large. The things are a little normal again. Hey, I'm glad we're not winning them. I didn't want to win the weird Super yep. Bowl, so let's go win. Let's go win the real Super Bowl next year. Love yeah. it. And God, God bless you, Bills Mafia. Thank you guys for for everything for keeping this fucking season together. Right? Like, I mean, no, I just want to add that one thing. <laughs> Shut up. I wanted to add I one am fucking thing. Bills Mafia. No, I'm not. I didn't say I am Bills Mafia, and my mic is fucking quiet now. I didn't know the volume of my mic. Okay, I'll stab. I will come to each one of your cities to stab you. Oh, here just we go. It'll be with just a little pin. Go Bills. Go Bills. Let's go Buffalo. Let's go Buffalo. The Bills make me wanna shout.